You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to episode number 37, a.k.a. Yanny Gord, a.k.a. the shift disturber of the Seattle Kraken. And this is the Keeping Up with the Kraken's podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta and soon to be Banff, Alberta. And... Just like always, joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. What's up on this lovely Monday morning here, Durham? Oh, just basking in the glow that is the offseason all of our teams are having. Like Seattle, fantastic draft. Ottawa doing good things. Pittsburgh keeping it together, but we'll get to that later. Oh, the Kraken though. (laughs) Oh, it's been fantastic, bud. It has been quite the offseason already, and it started off with a huge bang at the draft, and that's because Shane Wright is a Seattle crack in Durham. How crazy is this? I did not see this one coming, man. Man, I did not see it coming either. Like, I thought for sure he was going to be Montreal's guy. They were going to get their centerman. But then it seemed like with each passing hour getting closer to the draft, there was more and more traction to, hey, it's going to be Slepkovsky. Only I wish that news would have came out a little earlier because it cost me 1200 bucks. $1,200. Oh, my God. I kind of wish I didn't hear that. That's brutal. But, man, Shane Wright, a Kraken. I mean, what does this mean for the organization now that you have him and Matty Beneers, your one-two punch down the middle for the next 10 to 15 years, man? Uh, that's just insane. That really sets up this Kraken organization uh, for the future in such a big way. Oh, it's huge for this team. And you can look at, I think it was Francis mentioned, like they were looking to go get a big centerman. And I think a few uh, media people said Seattle was looking for Kadri until they got Shane Wright. And now it's you've got Beniers, Wright, and Gord as your top three centermen for the next five years. Like, that's pretty good. Oh, man, that's fantastic. I mean, it it couldn't have gone any better there. And, yeah, back to your point. I I mean, Slavkovsky, Wright, one or two, that's kind of what I thought. I kind of took me for a huge surprise seeing New Jersey take uh, Nemich uh, at number two. And then when Arizona stepped up, I mean, I was at work. 
and I, but I brought my laptop so I could at least watch. Right. I was like, you know, jumping back and forth, running back and forth, watching Gary Bettman get booed, which was pretty awesome too. big trades happening, man. It was just, it was a wild, wild start to the draft, but it couldn't have gone any better for the Seattle crack and picking up uh, Shane, Wright. He's just an absolute stud. I mean, this guy was ranked first overall, basically all year long until Bob McKenzie's final draft rankings, where he just was on the outside ranked second. And how does he fall to number four here for Seattle? Well, from what I heard based on uh, media, obviously, I mean, I'm not in the know with important people. I just read shit on Twitter and try and find what I can. But uh, from what I could see is New Jersey had Slepkovsky and a defenseman as their guys. And once Slepkovsky went first, they tried to scramble the trade back a bit, but couldn't. So they just said, we're taking our D. And then Arizona, I think it's a financial thing, honestly, as to why you don't go with right at three and you take Cooley. Like you could argue that, oh, we're taking the most dynamic player we think. And he could be an electrifying forward for us. And I don't know. And a NHL arena or NHL team in a college arena where I think they have 4,900 seats available to purchase for every game. If you could yeah. push off paying Cooley for even one year, that's a big deal. With Shane Wright, like you're immediately signing him. So there's, I think it's 95K for your signing bonus right there. And then if he plays, he's going to hit rookie bonuses too, like schedule A and B. So you're looking at possibly $3 million you're going to have to spend on a guy that year that you may not want to. Yeah, yeah, that brings up an excellent point that probably a lot of people aren't thinking about. And they just think, well, uh, maybe Cooley was just Arizona's guy. But you were kind of going to depth about that a little bit more and. Let's see, you know, what what other factors might be in play there by uh, them not selecting Shane Wright. And back to your rumor point, too. I, you know, myself, too, I just go through Twitter and whatnot, read up on stuff. But there has been some rumors, especially the last few days, about how uh, Shane Wright's interviews were kind of poorly done or, I don't know, the way he came off in his interviews. I don't know if I'm buying all that, Durham. What about you? I don't know. I can kind of see it because I can't remember which interview it was, but I want to say it was with either Sportsnet or TSN. But I remember watching it and then you and I were discussing it afterwards. But there was a specific line he said when asked, why should you go first overall? And he looked right at the camera and said, I deserve to go first. So that yeah, right there I was like, I don't know, that, that may yeah. come across as too arrogant. Yeah, More that of a, arrogant I've already earned is. this. Yeah, hundred percent. That could that could definitely be a factor. It's just it, it's a tough one, right? You're you're drafting the guy more on his hockey skills, but I mean, um, at the same time, a, a big pick like that at the top of the draft, you're putting a lot of stock into these guys, right? So you have to make sure you're getting the guy that you want representing your your team and your organization. So, um, but I couldn't be more thrilled to have him on the Seattle Kraken, man. Having oh, a, absolutely. those two elite centermen. I mean, you got Matty Beers, who's that uh, left-handed guy. You got Shane Wright here, who's the right-handed guy, too. So uh, it's a perfect match, and I just love it, man. I'm psyched for it. Exactly. If you have two fantastic two-way centermen anchoring your top six, you're going to be pretty successful. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's just unreal. And they both have great playmaking abilities and great goal scoring abilities too. Like these guys both are, like you said, really great, really dynamic two way forward. So um, that, that will make things interesting uh, 
going forward though and how how uh they're gonna do line matchups and all of that stuff so uh can't wait dude it's been an awesome 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 off season so i'm just psyched man but that's not all they drafted this year is it oh no they had 10 more selections after that one and what about the next selection here jagger Furcus, one of the best names if not the best name coming out of this draft and just go just google this guy man take a look at some of his picture his profile pics i mean the mustache the long mane i mean this guy's just just yeah exactly he is a hockey player and a beautiful one too and that name too man this guy's just an absolute rock star so seattle got to pick him 35th overall in the second round and uh he's quite the dynamic offensive guy too isn't he yeah i mean you don't earn the nickname the Furcus circus if you're just a boring player right no he he was a guy who was compared to marner as well like just slippery high skill a little bit more slight of a frame so if he's able to put on hopefully 25 pounds that'd be fantastic for him but he's definitely got the high-end skill to play in the nhl yeah i mean with his kind of skills too i mean the the (laughs) i love his nickname there too um it's great i almost want to just call him mcjagger Furcus. just to just brings that rock star element to his game but it's another right winger here and, and and they got to pick a couple right wingers back to back starting with him but uh i mean huge season last year in moose jaw um you know he he played a little the year before 23 games uh just had 14 points that was his first taste really of some whl he did get 12 games back in 1920 but uh, i imagine it wasn't uh much ice time in those games so last year was really his first taste and then this year 36 goals, 44 assists for 80 points and 66 games, Durham. Another 12 points in 10 playoff games, too. So uh, this is this guy's just electric. When do you see him uh, projecting him into an NHL lineup for the Kraken? I don't think he'll push for a spot this year, but I think in his 19-year, like, draft plus two, and maybe once he fully turns pro, that's when you're expecting him to start pushing for a spot. Yeah, I think, you know, he's so offensively gifted that um, he could easily work his way into this lineup earlier than maybe if he got a chance on a different team. But like you said, he's pretty slim right now. He he needs time to put on some weight. I mean, only listed at 154 pounds on uh, elite prospects here. That's pretty, pretty slim right now for a guy who's got a 5'10". Uh, build right now so he definitely has to uh put on that weight but he's he's gonna have the time to do that man yeah there's certainly gonna be no rush for him yeah and with their next selection they go back to another right winger durham this one they take yanni nyman so what do you think about this a little back-to-back right wing options for uh for seattle they take this guy 49th overall i like it because they kind of go with polar opposites and terms of like what you're looking for or what skill set they bring right like Jager Ferkus is just high skill speed shifty but a little bit of a smaller guy and Nyman I don't want to say he doesn't have skill either because he still finds a way to put the puck in the net but he's a little bit of a slower skater you know that's what they say he's gonna have to work on a lot but he's a big body kid for being so young too right like he's not even 18 yet that's another week or two and he's 6'3 216 pounds I know as a 17 year old, this guy's an absolute monster out there. Um, reports that he uses that body, uses that frame well. 
Yeah, I think so. You know, going to be a power forward guy once he does get through to the pro ranks and he's learning how to use it in Finland. He still has a good way of finding the finding a way to get the puck net in tight there. So obviously using his size and skill in tight around the crease. Mm-hmm. And again, another goal scorer. So uh, they're obviously loading up on the offense right away. You've seen it through the draft here. And, uh, you know, this guy's going to get a chance to play in the Liga, which, of, of course, is that top uh, Finnish uh, league over there in uh, Finland. So, uh, you know, he's going to be playing with men. Already kind of got a taste of that, too, this past season. Had 10 games in the Liga. But then he dropped down to their tier uh, they're like their tier two men's league and, and was basically a point per game type of player. So uh, that's not too bad. No, especially for, like we said, being so young just to get that taste already. So then comes in as an 18 year old next year and really has a foot in the water already. That's going to be great for him. Oh yeah. That's going to be phenomenal. And uh, you're probably going to get to see some action at the world juniors with this guy for at least the next couple of world juniors too. So uh, that's going to be exciting and, and something to, to watch going forward. And then Durham, we get a bit of a surprise too with this next pick, don't we? Yeah. I mean, certainly when it was going on and the pick was made, I had to look him up. I was like, who the hell is that? Yeah, and that's because with the 58th overall selection, the Kraken decide to select goaltender Nicholas Coco, of course, out of uh, the Finnish league as well, So, uh, or a Finnish player. So this one was very shocking. I mean, this guy was ranked, I think, ninth for European goalies going into the draft. But uh, I think you had mentioned, too, that um, Ronnie Francis said this was their top-rated goaltender, right? Yeah, I watched a video of uh, obviously him talking about the draft after day two there, and he talked about how great the second round specifically was for them. They got a lot of high skill guys, and they got what he quoted as their goalie. So obviously they got the guy that they had at the top of the board, which you can't really complain about, right? Not at all. And uh, this guy's got some good size, 6'3", goalie here. So uh, pretty tall, 185 pounds, which, you know, typically your goalies are a little bit more slimmer. Easy for them to move around, right? Got to have that flexibility in net. Um, but yeah, this was a complete shocker. I hadn't heard his name until, uh, you know, I was looking looking on my phone at who, who were they who were they were taking in the draft, but uh, credit to him. He, he played one game in the Liga last year and got a shutout. Yeah, that can't hurt your stock, eh? No, not at all. And again, this should be a guy who's going to be maybe not this World Juniors, but, you know, he should be one of those guys who's going to be competing to be on that team as well. So uh, pretty exciting. I mean, he played for Carpats under 20 team and uh, had some pretty nice stats, to be fair, Durham. He had a, you know, in 29 games played, he had a 914 save percentage. Uh, you know, a 2.06 goals against and a 17-10-0 record. Uh, it was in the postseason where things maybe didn't go so well for him. But uh, you know what? He's probably going to be a bit of a project, right? Like this guy isn't going to be, you know, expected to be in the NHL for what, a four, five, six year range? Honestly, if we see him come over to North America before like the 26, 27 season, I'd be extremely surprised. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those ones where, you know what? They have a lot of picks and they took some gambles and that's what you got to do, right? You, you got to take some uh, high risk, high reward types of picks when you have that many to play with in the draft. 
So exactly. Not it's upset not like we need about a goalie it right now. Exactly. Yeah. And it's always good to get at least one goalie in a draft. So uh, they felt this was their guy and this is kind of where they had him ranked. So um, maybe a bit questionable at times, but um, you know what? Let's support him. Let's see what this guy can bring. Moving on though, Durham, this is one that we called last podcast. And that is with the 61st overall pick, the Seattle Kraken decided to select David Goyetti. And uh, we kind of predicted this last draft or last podcast that this guy would get selected by uh, the Kraken. So a little tire pump for us right there. So uh, talk about this guy, why, why we had him on our radar and why ultimately the Kraken selected him. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the exact pick we had, but we did have the Kraken taking him in the second round. So, you know, we're going to pump our tires, like you said, for that. This was a guy who, honestly, we both expected to be gone before 61 for sure. And yet yeah. happened to slide down to him. A really offensive guy who got better as the year went. Didn't play on that great of a team when Sudbury there. But, you know, obviously fantastic season for him. Started really racking him up, getting points and goals for this team. You know, 73 points, 33 goals in 66 games. That's pretty good when you're firing at a half a goal a game clip on a team who's not that great too, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, he even got to play with Canada at the under 18s as well, three points in four games. So, you know, he produced there as well. And yeah, I was shocked that this guy was still available at 61st overall. Um, so, but I'm pumped that we get him. So, so, you know, just adding to that depth at, at the center position there and look out for him, man. I, I honestly think Goyetti's going to be a stud next year. And one day he's going to push for a, a spot on the uh, Team Canada World Juniors. I think he, he might explode offensively and get close to 100 points next season in the OHL. That's just my predictions for you on that. I can see that for sure. I think he's going to be... I think what I really like about this pick too is they're complimenting the guys they've already got, right? Like, mm-hmm. Goyette's going to come in and he's going to be more of a goal scorer. He's not a guy who's going to be carrying the puck in, curling back and setting guys up. But you've got Wright and Veneers for that. So you've got this guy coming in. I think he'll probably slide to the wing in the NHL. But then you've got him coming in as your F2 or F3, finding the empty ice. A nice pass from Wright or Beniers finds him in the high slot. More than likely, he's going to find a way to get in the back of the net there. Yeah, man, I, I, I 100% agree with you there. And yeah, he's to me, it's just like a high value pick. Uh, I'm just surprised he fell this fell all the way to this spot. I just, I don't know from what, what I read and looking at his stats, I just think the upside with him uh, is very high. And and like you said, he could really, really compliment one of those top two centers playing perhaps on that left wing. Uh, you know, he is a left-handed guy, so uh, he could definitely slot right in there. And that's maybe what they were thinking when they drafted him, eh? Because they did take those right wingers early. So, yeah, I think so. Kind of, you know, team building here for the draft. Best way to do it. Exactly. And then finally, they do take a defenseman, and, uh, you know, they go with Ty Nelson, who again drops a little farther than I would have thought. Uh, all the way to the third round, 68th overall, and uh, a bit of an undersized defenseman, but a right-handed D, so I love that. Uh, give me your thoughts on them taking Ty Nelson. Another OHLer for the Seattle Kraken, eh? They're just loving them already. They are. 
but I really love the value you're going to get with Ty Nelson here. Like you said, he's undersized. Like he's not small physically. He's short because he's still very stocky and strong. He's about 200 mm-hmm. pounds, even though he's five, nine ish, give or take an inch, depending on who you ask, but mm-hmm. he's solid defensively. The thing is like he put up 50 some points in North Bay this year. And a lot of people aren't projecting him to be that great of an offensive defenseman. His passing game and transition needs a bit of work, but he's got a hard shot and he's good in his own end. So the fact that he's a smaller guy in, in terms of his height, but still put on the weight to be effective and smart and, and uh, sorry, put on the weight and did the homework to get smart and be effective in his own end. To me, that tells you you're, you've got a guy who is going to be an NHL or minimum a top six guy, and he's going to be steady for you. If he happens to grow an inch or develop that passing game, then you might get a bit of an offensive kick out of him as well. Yeah, yeah. It's for an undersized, well, we say undersized is still fucking three inches higher than <laughs> taller than I am. But uh, yeah, like about that five nine, five ten height. Um, yeah, he he he's he actually lays the body quite a bit. Um, he's a big hitter, and uh, he likes to use his body quite a bit. And, uh, he's got a high motor too. So, so that's always things like that, that attribute that, you you know, develop into the, the NHL and those, you could bring those skill sets all the way to the, the pro game. And I really like that about Ty Nelson and, uh, you know what? No joke too. He's got a good shot. Nine goals as a defenseman in the OHL in your draft season is actually pretty good. That, that ranks among, uh, some of the highest D in that position. So this guy can also shoot the puck, but like you said, if, if he doesn't turn into that offensive defenseman style, um, you still should have yourself a top six steady NHL D right. Exactly. Like he should be solid enough defensively. He's got great body position His sticks in the right spot and the lanes taking pucks down. Yeah. So I like it a lot. Um, but moving on here, uh, 91st overall, they take Ben McDonald. What do you have on Ben McDonald here? A uh, kid from, you know, U.S. high school league there. He's going to be going to uh, BCHL next season, kind of a gap year to play there before going to Harvard and the next year after that in 23-24. You know, you got another guy here with a high motor and physical is actually his biggest strength. You know, not the biggest size yet in six foot, 180 pounds, but taking the longer route, going to college and BCHL, that gives him a lot of time to really grow into his frame and, you know, add pounds there, maybe grow an inch and develop the pro game and the physicality side that obviously he likes that he's going to become a good pro for us. Yeah, definitely your project style pick right here where, um, you know, it's obviously going to take some time, which is okay, right? That's kind of what you do with these later round picks. So um, I like it. Another, like you said, BCHL guy right here. So, uh, you know, tons of guys who are just developing out of Canada and Western Canada that they're, they decided to take some swings on. But uh, moving along with the hundredth overall pick, uh, we got Tyson Jugnoff who got drafted. Uh, any, you know, give me your thoughts on him. Back to back, well, I guess kind of back to back BCHLers. Tyson played in the BCHL this year and was actually their top defenseman. He got 50 points in 52 games, so not a big deal. Next season, he'll be suiting up in the University of Wisconsin and he'll get coached by Tony Granado. So we all know how great a job Coach Granado does down in Wisconsin there for just pumping out pros, right? Obviously, that's going to be great for Jugnoff. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Like that's an awesome program to be going to. So, um, yeah, why not take a, take a gander or take, 
yeah, try to take a, you know, a leap on a guy like this, 100th overall. Why not? Uh, I do like it. Uh, moving on here, Tucker Robertson, 123rd overall. Give me your thoughts on this. Well, they grab an overage player here. And by overage, I just mean he's re-entered into the draft. He wasn't selected before. So they got a guy here who actually finished 28th in his league when it came to goal scoring. So, you know, guy who's going to be ready to jump into the pro ranks for Coachella Valley there and maybe able to provide a little bit of a goal scoring bit down there in the, you know, for the depth for their forward group. And it was nice to see him kind of produce this year, everyone from the OHL after missing last year, right? So anytime someone gets that extra bump this year, you feel good about it. Yeah, big time. And, uh, you know, last podcast, we kind of talked about how don't be, you know, surprised to see Seattle take a swing on maybe one or two overagers with how many picks they had and having to fill some holes in uh, Coachella Valley there. So uh, this was the guy they went with. So, uh, you know, we were semi right on the the idea of maybe taking an overager in this draft. And, and they did that with uh, Tucker Robertson there. Uh, but moving on. Two more picks left. Barrett Hall at 164th overall. Any thoughts on this guy? Yeah, just another project pick, you know, taking another kid from high school league, this time over in Minnesota, the state of hockey there, where he had a lot of success over there too in that in that league. 25 goals, 55 points in 25 games. That's not bad. Just go a goal a game and two points. Not a big not deal. A His big biggest skill is obviously stick handling, deceptive passes real playmaker even though he was a goal a game so that's something you're going to look to see him develop over the next couple of years as he goes to st cloud university st cloud university another great program there as well that plays in that nchc uh division so and you get a lot of great nhlers coming out of that uh that division of university hockey so uh again another project guy but uh i like it and holy shit those stats uh i know it's only high school hockey you hear that and you think oh wow that's that's terrible but i think minnesota's got to have the the best high school hockey program across um pretty North much America. everywhere yeah north america so um so that's pretty awesome and i mean that's got to feel so good for barrett to get drafted uh you know when you're just playing high school hockey so that's pretty awesome and moving on to the last pick here 196th overall we got kyle jackson who got picked give me your thoughts on this one well for the final pick they go not just back to the ohl but back to another team they've already selected from with the north bay battalion and they're going to select versatile winner winger kyle jackson Another 19-year-old, another overager here, scored 30 goals and 62 points this year. His third season in the O, and he's scored 87 points in about 120 regular season games so far. You know, he missed out on getting drafted last year due to the OHL shutdown. And obviously, the later you get in the draft, they're all going to be long-term projects. You're not going to get a fifth to seventh round pick who's going to make your team the next year, most likely. If you do, Mm -hmm. holy shit, give that scout a raise. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no kidding, eh? Again, uh, a lot of these guys that they drafted, um, you know, obviously these scouts have seen these guys play quite a bit, but not as much as typically because they've all basically lost one full year of, of hockey um, because of, obviously, COVID. So, uh, y- you know, with these later round picks, you got to take some swings on some guys. And uh, I like the idea of just taking a guy like Kyle Jackson here who, like you said, another overager, but, uh, you know, put up a nice 30 piece, uh, playing for the battalion there. So, uh, you can't argue that. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he goes back there or do they try to maybe bring him into Coachella or the ECHL, 
could be a, a an option too once he uh you know develops out of that OHL program. So um to wrap things up, Durham, Seattle's draft grade. I'd like you to hit me with what you think they deserve. Uh I gotta give them an A. I mean, just simply in your in the first sixty-eight selections. Seattle got five of what was Bob McKenzie's top, I think, 52 prospects. So that alone makes you say they had a fucking great draft. Yeah, big time. I love the way you put that there. Um, you got to trust the Bob father, too. He's, he's fucking phenomenal at what he does. Um, you, you know, a couple, not really much questionable. Like that Nicholas Coco, I mean, I don't even know if I'm saying it right or not. Coco, but uh, 58th overall for a goalie who... Uh, I don't think was ranked in like the top 150th or 160th, but uh, you know, when you're confident that he's your guy, then, then he's your guy and you, you take that swing. So uh, we could be absolutely eating our words even like four or five years from now. So uh, we'll see. But I mean, anytime you land Shane Wright fourth overall, I mean, I think you're doing pretty good, right? Exactly. I mean, the price is right. The price is right, and hopefully the pick is right as well because uh, it certainly was in one way, uh, but only time will tell if it is in another. Uh, moving on, though, Durham, we have some new members of the Squid Squad. It is the off season. There's been some signings, and the Seattle Kraken have made a bit of a splash in free agency. Yeah, they went after Justin Schultz, got hit, got the 32-year-old offensive defenseman on a two-year deal worth six mil total. That's three mil a season. So Quick far math. through his career, thank you, 264 <laughs> points in 602 games. So, I mean, you're not going to look for the most offense from this guy, but he's a good right-hander that can pa pass well, shoots hard, and he can play on our power play. Well, that's what I was thinking, right? Like, this is a guy who uh, they're looking for some power play help. And you've obviously got to see him play uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he was quite the D there as well. And, uh, you know, I think he was a big part of that second power play unit for, for most of his time there as well. So what did you think? Do you think uh, this this was a good pick or a big a good signing, a good pickup for the Kraken? I do. I think this is a guy who could play, you know, he's not going to do great defensively. So you're going to have to play him in a little bit more sheltered offensive role. But if you give him somewhere in the 17, 19 minutes and power play time and just let him have most of his starts in the ozone, I think you're going to have a productive player for three mil. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it seems like, you know, I know a lot of people really felt that uh, Seattle were going to make maybe a bigger splash. But this isn't too, too bad. And, uh, and I mean, it, it probably sounded like they were out on Klingberg early. And that's why they decided to go the route of getting Justin Schultz. And it's, it's not like you're committing to this guy long term, a two year contract. So, you know, if need be, it's probably pretty easy to move on from, um, you know, it's if you had to do a buyout for some kind of reason. Uh, it, again, it's not going to be hard to do, but this guy should fit in nicely and and uh, be able to provide a bit more offense for the power play. So uh, I think that's what they're looking to get out of it. So uh, all in all, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Yeah, I think it's a good, I think it has potential to be good asset management. Like if you can play this guy and get him 30, 35 points, not this year, but next year, when he's on the second year of that deal, maybe at the trade deadline, you can pick something up good for him. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like that. But uh, moving on, the Seattle also signed 27-year-old Andre Burakovsky to a whopping five-year, $27.5 million contract. That turns out to 5.5 per season. And, man, the right winger is coming off another career year offensively for him. He put up 22 goals, 39 assists for 61 points in 80 games this year that's career high in goals assists and points for him so so that's pretty impressive and not only that Durham he's now won two cups in the last five years with two different organizations so um I loved this signing it was great to see them go go get somebody who could help uh, produce offensively so uh, give me your thoughts on Burakovsky well, I think we nailed it. You know, another thing from our last pod, not to pump our tires again, but we called it. We called Burakovsky being a Seattle Kraken, and, and I agree with you. It is fantastic. Since he's left Washington, 20 goals, 19 goals, 22 goals, 45 points, 44 points, 61 points. This is a guy who's going to be able to chip in offensively for us in our top six for the next few years. And sure, it's a five-year deal. Whatever. Who cares? This is a great ad for us. He's going to help out, you know, produce a little bit more offense. We're going to have more of a shooting threat, not just McCann now. I think it's going to be a great ad for this team. Yeah, that adds a bit more of uh, offense on that right side too. So you got him, you got Eberle, uh kind of controlling the the top two spots on the right wing. And then, of course, McCann's going to move over to that left wing with Schwartz. And it's just going to be figuring out, um, you know, which centerman he's going to be you know, finding that chemistry with going forward, right? You got some options there, but, uh, you know, putting putting him up with uh, with either Beneers, right? That sounds pretty enticing, doesn't it? It does, but also at the same time, can we afford to really have two rookie centermen in our top six? Yeah, that's the biggest question, Mark. I think it would make sense to have kind of Yanny Gord still slip in there in that top six and create one of those lines where, uh, you know, they're still very, very good as a shutdown line because that's ultimately what I see Yanny Gord as going forward. But this year, um, he'll probably be still putting up some some points and, and some numbers and taking on uh, still a lot of minutes. I mean, he logged, what, the most amount of minutes of any forward last season. So I, I don't expect that to go down too much just because he picked up Shane Wright. Um, but it is enticing. I mean, I do like the fact that uh, they are bringing Carson Kuhlman back. And yes. the bit of chemistry that they had uh, with each other, him and Gord, um, is enticing to kind of create that third line with. But uh, time will tell, man. We'll see. But this Andre Burakovsky signing is uh, is great, and, and I love it. 61 points in 80 games for him, that's no joke. And uh, this guy's only been getting better in the last few seasons, and not a big deal. You know, add, added a cu- another cup with Colorado there and, and scored a couple big goals during that playoff run. So uh, I like what he brings to this squad. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be great for this team. And then, uh, you know, not a shocking of a signing here, but, uh, you know, the Kraken added some more depth in net by signing veteran goaltender Martin Jones to a one-year deal worth just $2 million. So a nice cheap one-year deal. And, of course, with Drieger being out for most of the year, uh, it felt necessary to maybe help out uh, the Kraken and help out uh, Mr. Grubauer there, the German gentleman, and take some pressure off him. 
because uh, they obviously felt like maybe Joy Decord couldn't step into that role right now. So they pick up a veteran guy who could play games for you and and maybe get you a couple more wins in the, in those categories. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is exactly what we talked about when we brought up Drieger getting hurt, right? Was them going out and acquiring an old veteran, possibly third goalie to really push Decord for that backup spot. Yeah, and that's exactly what you're going to get. So uh, I'm sure it'll be a battle in training camp to see what what actually happens. But uh, wouldn't be upset if that's the duel going forward is, uh, you know, Grubauer, obviously your starter, and Martin Jones picking up those backup games. Yeah, you can't be too hurt with that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, some other notable signings. Of course, we talked about Carson Kuhlman there getting extended for one more season. Like we both love it. We both thought, you know, uh, he had great chemistry with the Annie Gord and uh, he fits the style of the team. Great. And you get him for 825 K. So can't go wrong there. Right. That's a good deal. No, exactly. For the reason alone of, like you said, chemistry with Gord and they looked great. They created offense on the penalty penalty kill for crying out loud. Yeah, like they had a lot of two-on-ones on the penalty kill. Uh, you know, the finishing wasn't always there, but that's okay. They'll get their chances, right? Um, you know, next season's a new year, but that's another guy who's going to log a bunch of time on the penalty kill going forward as a fourth liner, third liner type maybe if he's with uh, Yanni Gord there. So uh, I like it, and that's a super cheap deal. So, uh, yeah, can't complain about that. But they also did sign, uh, you know, a couple picks from last year's draft, Durham. So uh, third rounder, Ryan Winterton, and fifth rounder, Jacob Melanson, both getting signed to their entry-level deals as well. So you love to see that, eh? Yeah, exactly. Anytime you, you know, have to sign your guys that you're drafting, it means you're doing a good job drafting the right guys. You're not getting busts. Exactly. And, and that Ryan Winterton kid, man, he, he was just on fire when he came back and, uh, you know, joined the Hamilton Bulldogs for their, uh, OHL run to the, the finals. And of course they won it. And then, and then went on to the Mem cup where, uh, they weren't so lucky there, were they? Nope. They were not able to win that one. Unfortunately, the host but did, didn't they? The host did. Yeah. It was, uh, was it St. John? St. John. Yep, St. John's Sea Dogs, which is uh, pretty wild to see the host winning, right? Anytime uh, the host wins, who and when they didn't have, let's say, the best uh, playoffs, uh, pretty shocking to see. But I do love the fact that these guys have been signed. Ryan Winterton, look out for him. He's going to be a stud. I think he has a chance to crack, uh, not obviously this summer, but uh, the World Juniors this upcoming winter if he gets off to another real hot start with uh, Hamilton. Yeah, he was invited to the camp, but with, you know, the Mem Cup being pushed so late, I think he's kind of just nursing a couple injuries from the end of the year. So was, wasn't able to go to camp for this summer, obviously. But uh, yeah, definitely a guy to look for come December's camp. Yep, exactly. And uh, another notable thing, uh, Morgan Geeky filing for arbitration. So uh, give, a, give the fans a little explanation of what uh, what that means exactly. It means some mean things are going to be said by the team about Morgan Geeky. Because what happens here is the team, well, there's an arbitrator. So just some guy in the middle who both sides, the player and the team are going to make their case for what the next contract should be. It's either a one or a two year deal. They decide that going in what they're going to be arbitrating for. I haven't heard what, whether it's going to be a one or two year. I think it's a one year. And I haven't heard what the player or team ask is, but generally it ends up somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. And um, 
with Morgan Geeky, I mean, he didn't have a huge year. You know, he, he, he logged bottom six minutes. This guy's, and he's going to end up signing for pretty cheap, right? Maybe 1.5 mil. I don't know, two mil at most. Like I, I can't expect it to be, um, much money. So, uh, I don't think this is, and, and, and right now too, just because he's filed for it doesn't mean they can't still continue to talk and negotiate and come up with a contract. Right. Exactly. Even if they go to the meeting until the arbitrator hands out his decision, they can come to one on their own. Exactly. So it's not a big deal. It's especially with a, you know, a low level player right now as Morgan geeky kind of is. Um, so, yeah, I still want him on the team, though. I think he he could be a great bottom six type of player. So we'll see how that plays out. But I can't expect uh, it, it to go like get any, cra- you know, it won't get crazy on us. So um, no big deal with Morgan Geeky there. But some notable players that aren't returning to the Kraken Durham. Uh, I'm going to list them off here. That uh, includes Hayden Fleury, Ryan Donato, Riley Shahan, Daniel Sprung, Victor Rask, any surprises with this list? I'd say out of the go out of the guys there, the biggest, well, kind of the biggest surprise to me, but the more I think about it, I don't think it's that big of a shock is Ryan Donato. Cause like we said before, like this is a guy who was able to find the back of the net for the crack in this year. I think he, what did he finish top five or six in goals? I think he was fourth in goals. But at the same time, this was a guy who saw his playing time go down and down under Hackstall. He'd have stretches where he'd score three goals in three or four games and then wouldn't do anything for a game in two and he'd be healthy. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. That's exactly what was going on. And I don't think it would have been the case if they didn't sign Burakovsky. If they weren't able to get Burakovsky, I think Ryan Donato would get another shot on this team because I really thought he deserved it. Right. Yeah. I guess you could look at it as a, we've upgraded Donato. Exactly. Right. And, and, and to be fair, like, do, do you think he gets a crack on another team? Do you think I, I'd be surprised if another team doesn't take a swing on Ryan Donato? I still thought he had a, a pretty productive year considering he was playing on the crack in last year. And, uh, you know, he did get more opportunity than he would see on different squads, but, uh, he did, like you said, he stepped up in occasions. He had good stretches. He also had a couple bad stretches, but at the same time, he also wasn't afraid to drop the gloves a couple times and, and get after it and show his teammates you know, that he cared and, and he was fighting to be on that team. So, um, any other surprises or pretty much just Donato there? Slight surprise with Hayden Fleury there. I mean, former first round pick for Ron Francis, right? I think he was seventh overall in like 2014 or something like that. So kind of a slight surprise there that not or after they brought him over to Seattle, then they a year later, we don't want him. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because that it didn't pan out there. Um, it's tough. He got some opportunity. He was scratched a lot to start off. Um, people were, you know, kind of like kind of pissed off online. Be like, you know, what the heck? Like, you're not even playing this guy. You're not giving him an opportunity. Uh, it's just unfortunate he didn't. Uh, end up working out because uh you know all signs pointed into the direction that you know he had a chance to to turn into something special and maybe become a top four guy at some point but uh the wheels just never really took off and started spinning for Hayden Flurry. so uh it, it's just unfortunate too especially with Cal Flurry still in the organization ah they played on different teams most of their lives they'll be fine 
Oh, they'll be fine for sure. But it would have been cool to have that one two flurry punch, right? And then get Mark Andre in net. <laughs> Whoa. Now you're now you're crazy talking right now. Now it's a snowstorm. Flurries now everywhere. Now it's a storm. I don't know. But if I was a betting man, Durham, I would have uh I would say Donato's gonna get picked up from a team. What do you think? Fuck Arizona needs someone to play hockey. That would be a great fit right there, actually. Why not? Why not bring him over there in the uh, in the desert? I can't think of a reason. Yeah, and uh, you know what? If you are a bet man, why don't you head over to DraftKings Sportsbook because the action never ends there, Durham, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you could fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, Right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000, Durham. That's right. $1,000. That's right, man. $1,000. All you got to do is make your first bet up to $1,000. And if it doesn't win, dude, you'll get another shot to cash in. So you could throw down on all major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. So, what do you think of Durham? What would be a really good bet to throw down right now? Who's I'm going to go with the Seattle Mariners. Oh, boy, are they hot. They are just cooking right now, those Seattle Mariners. And they're currently on a 14-game winning streak which is one off from the record from 2001 where they went 116 and 46 in that season. And I believe that is the longest winning streak heading into the all-star break, which they're currently on right now. So, um, you know, they're going to get to get a little bit of a rest up here, but with a 14 game winning streak on the line and they're going for, you know, the tie of their franchise record, how can you not put a little, Little little bet on them right now, right? Maybe put on a, a little same game parlay, get in on the action. What do you think? How can you not? Yeah, I agree, man. And best of all, with DraftKings, it's safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So if you want to make a little money on the Mariners, you got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, and back to some hockey talk, Durham. We got a huge offseason that's been happening, not just for the Kraken, but there's a lot of teams out here making moves and, and some teams who surprisingly haven't really made any moves at all or the ones they did move, make did not improve their team, uh, at least uh, from the way we see it, right? And uh, we're going to start off with some winners of the offseason with some moves that they have made. So hit me with the winner. Well, the first one here is going to really hit home for you because I got to think the Ottawa Senators are so far the winner of the offseason. Ooh, I like it. And uh, yeah, of course, they made some pretty big moves. And, uh, you know, they added Giroux and free agency, uh, signed to a nice three-year deal there. Um, what do you think about the money? I think it's fine. Six and a half a year for three years for Giroux. I don't think you're going to have any complaints about that, especially in year three. 
Yeah, no, I like it a lot. And then, uh, you know, they make a little goalie trade, you know, Talbot for, uh, you know, I guess you could kind of say prospect Philip Gustafson, but he's he's basically on the brink of being a backup goaltender and he's still quite young. I have 25, maybe, maybe on that 26 range now, but uh, a little one for one for, you know, all-star goaltender Cam Talbot. What do you think of that deal? I think that's a massive upgrade. I do too. I'm psyched for it. And then, of course, they made a huge trade acquiring two-time 40-goal scorer Alex Debrinkit from the Chicago Blackhawks and uh, getting him for uh, what I would consider a pretty insanely cheap price at the end of the day. So uh, thoughts on this one? I think Chicago's dumb as hell. Steal by <laughs> Ottawa. I mean, how do you? sure you got a top 10 pick. But for a 24-year-old multiple 40-goal scorer, how do you only get a first, second, and what was it, a fifth or a fourth? Fourth, yeah. So a first, a second, and a fourth? Yikes. You don't get a single sure thing for a guy who is a sure thing and is still getting better? Dude, cannot wait to see him absolutely tearing it up. And there's been some arguments about, oh, you know what? He was playing with Patty Kane. He's playing with Patty Kane. He won't be a 40-goal scorer in Ottawa. You know who he is going to be playing with on Ottawa? Tim Stutzla, and that guy's only getting better. And mark my words, Stutzla is going to be a 70-point guy next season in the NHL. Mark my words, Durham, it's happening. I said this two months ago in a group chat with you. So, um, yeah, I love the moves Ottawa made. And it sounds like they're still not done. They're looking to improve on their back end, which is a major, major concern right now. I mean, they are looking like a bubble team for a playoff spot. Um, But if they were to add a nice piece on the back end, you know, I heard some names out there, Chickering, Mackenzie Weger. Klingberg still out there as a free agent. Not sure if I like that fit too much, but uh, you know, there's some moves that can be made to still upgrade, especially on that right side for them and give them somebody for Shabbat to really play with and to, and take some more pressure off. And, and of course, having Jake Sanderson step into that decor is really going to help too. But uh, I love the moves Ottawa made. Uh, I don't think any Sens fans would would have really seen that coming, especially with the bring cat and, uh, you know, actually paying guys and bringing in money instead of shipping money out. Not only that, they signed Josh Norris to a huge, huge eight year, seven point nine five million dollar contract. So uh, they, they've obviously turned a corner and uh, their organization and are, are ready to uh, take the next step and actually start competing. So absolutely loved what Ottawa did. And of course, being a Sens fan, how could you not? Right. And I think the important thing with the Norris signing too, is not just that it got done, but that it got done so easily. Yeah, there was a, um, a bit of a report. Well, I heard Dorian in a, uh, in an interview on uh, you know, TSN overdrive, like 1050, whatever it is. It's a sense one, right? He was talking to them about it. And he said at the end of the year, Norris came up to him and said, Hey, look, Pierre, like I want to get this done quickly. Um, and you know, it would be really awesome just to get this out of the way with as early as possible. Um, so he's, he's told him, he's like, so don't lowball me right off the bat. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> he said, yeah, he, he, uh, chatted with Norris right after the deal was done. And he was like, 
He was like, hey, Pierre, thanks so much. Sounds like you didn't lowball me, so I appreciate that. Uh, and, you know, thank you for the contract or whatever. So I thought that was pretty funny to hear about that. So <laughs> that's yeah, great banter. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, who else are some winners, Durham? Well, we're going to go with the Carolina Hurricanes, who replaced D'Angelo with Burns and added Pacioretty for basically nothing. Yeah incredible actually the fact that they added patch ready for nothing and then um i still think burns has a ton of good hockey left so uh you that's an upgrade off d'angelo in my opinion maybe d'angelo's yeah the younger one and stuff but um you're bringing a great veteran in who's been in the league a long time who's played and won gold medals and done a ton in his hockey career so uh huge improvements for carolina who once again just you know don't get talked about much and then they make these big acquisitions and all of a sudden they're they're back in the front runners for another big cup run right like just quietly no one really hears about them doing anything they might have been in on klingberg and then bam they've got brent burns they traded d'angelo for i think a second and a third so they picked up a second and a third they traded a third for burns so basically they up i think burns is an upgrade over d'angelo too i agree with you there i think he's as good offensively and way better in the d zone like it's not even a joke how much better he is than d'angelo in his own end <laughs> not even so a- they upgraded and they got a second round pick for that and then they got patch for free and that was the thing uh brindamore said after the playoffs right like we don't have guys that can score goals how about the guy who led Vegas in goals? Yeah, no kidding. Like, how do you how do you manage to pick up Max Pacioretty for nothing? For literally free. I get he has a $7 million contract cap hit, um, but it's just for one more year. But the guy is such a pure goal scorer, and he was a huge part of that Vegas team. And look what Vegas had to give up just to acquire Pacioretty, and then this happens? where he just, they just give him away for free because they have no idea how to have cap, cap management at all. I mean, that's a huge win for Carolina. Those fans must be absolutely pumped. Right? Like, that's not even fair. As a fan of another Metro team, I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of the Metro, another team who made some great strides, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Why don't you take this one away, buddy? Oh, the biggest reason this is a win for the Pittsburgh Penguins is they kept the band together. And fuck anybody who thinks that's not important. You're going to have 87, 71, and 58 on the same fucking team for 20 years. Two decades in the NHL. That shit's unheard of. Did I mention they won three fucking cups together and went to the finals another time? You haven't, but go off, King. Right? Like, oh, as a Pens fan myself, I have been basking in the glow of the Pittsburgh Penguins just fucking winning for the last 17 years. And then the first minute when someone's like, hey, our stars who have like literally bled and broke their bones for us and made so much money and won all this shit for the last 15 years want like a couple extra more years and we want to give them. And people went, fuck them, they're 35. Fuck you, you fucking nobody. <laughs> you're oh, fucking 45 emotion. sitting on the couch watching these people the emotions coming out i love it oh uh, you know people what piss I, me off 
<laughs> I think the biggest thing, like the most underrated thing about this, and we're going to throw in Brian Rusty for this one because uh, good job locking him up to a great deal, is the amount of money or the amount of, yeah, the amount of money you're paying those four players uh, total on a cap hit. What is it? 22 and a half million for those four guys? Yeah, it's nuts, right? Like, that's fucking It's just insane. not fair. No, that's fucking insane. That helps that helps them with their depth so much. And that trade they made where they did bring in Ty Smith. Yes, they got rid of Marino, great defenseman. Um, you know, maybe questionable that he got rid of the right-handed guy, but it, whatever, right? Ty Smith, he can play that right side and don't sleep on this kid, man. He has so much potential. Like he literally stepped into his rookie season for the New Jersey Devils and was a top four defenseman. And he just had a bit of a sophomore slump last year. But this guy can bounce back and be an absolute stud on the back end. So I absolutely love this pickup for Pittsburgh. I do like it on the upside there too. And it's interesting you brought up that he can play the right side because in an interview, once he got over to Pittsburgh, they asked him about that. And he said, while my first two years of pro, I played the majority of the left side. He goes, 95% of my time in junior, I played the right side. So I think that's yeah, going to be interesting for this team going forward. Because, like, Trevor Daly, that was a guy who had great years in Pittsburgh when they had their back-to-back -back cup run there. And he was a left-handed, yep. skating, offensive defenseman who played the right side. And it worked out quite well for them. Yeah, he had wheels. He was stocky, too, eh, Trevor Daly? Just a stocky guy back there. He was so much fun to watch. Man, that one... Want to say it was against either Chicago or Detroit right before the playoffs, but oh, he just blew down the ice. It might have fucking been Washington, actually, but whatever. Anyways, just right down the center of the ice and then just backhand shelf. And it was like, he's a fucking defenseman. And this is before Kale McCarr was like playing organized hockey. No, I'm just kidding. It was in 2017. <laughs> he was getting drafted. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That was 2017 that year when he did that. Okay. Okay, yeah, another cup run for Pittsburgh. Not a big deal. I bet you is. I bet you he's just got the biggest legs on him, eh? Trevor Daly, just stocky defenseman who's just got wheels, he's just carving up the ice. Man, he's got to still be jacked because funny Trevor, like funny you bring up Trevor Daly. He played a fucking East Coast game this year. What? That's crazy. Quadzillas, eh? On they the called East him Coast. up. I think he was down in Florida, like the Everblade, Everglades. Yeah, Everblades. I think they're called down there, Fort Erie or whatever. But anyways, they call them. They're like, we've got like four defensemen tonight. Can you please play? And he's like, yeah, I'll play a game. Fuck it, whatever. Oh, and he just played one game. He wasn't like playing. Oh, no, wow. he wasn't like playing. He just stepped in for a game. They're <laughs> like, thank you so much. Fucking casual beer league game for him. Right? Fuck, that's awesome. Oh, a little honorable mention to Detroit, too, as a winner, because, uh, I mean, look at the moves they made. They really surrounded some of their young core with some veteran guys who are going to be able to take some of that uh, workload off. And they also improved uh, immensely in net for a very cheap price. Back-to-back -back seasons now. Fucking Iserman, the Iser plan coming together again. And, uh, you know, he picks up, what was it, Nedeljkovic? And Nadelchkovic. Yep. Sorry. For a third yeah. there. For a third last year. And now he picks up Vili Huso for a third. How do you pick up your <laughs> a good like a you know a one A, one B tandem like that for two third round picks? That's incredible. What I find 
great and hilarious about Detroit picking up Huso and Ottawa picking up Talbot is the team in the Atlantic that is like, we need to fucking win now. The only thing wrong with them right now is they're like, fuck, we don't have a goalie. And the two teams in the Atlantic, they're like, we're trying to make the playoffs. Picked up an all-star goalie and a goalie that went to the second round last year. <laughs> and and yeah, Bington did take some of that. You know, he took most of that workload in the playoffs, but it wasn't him who got them to the playoffs. It was Huso and and his play. Um, like Bennington struggled. Like he wasn't even. He didn't like. He got dropped in fantasy hockey. Like he was kind of trashed throughout the he season. Huso was the guy who was like lighting it up for St. Louis. So I love that pickup for Detroit. Not only that, they they pick up Andrew Cop, a little Michigan native, right there. So uh, he gets to play for his hometown team now. David Perron, like you called it, like what was it five years ago or? three years ago you mentioned how he's never signed a contract with another team well that changed he signed with detroit so so that's new yeah what is it his fifth team now he's played on or sixth fifth or sixth i think for sure there was let's see edmonton was he yeah he was with edmonton right yeah edmonton st louis pittsburgh anaheim vegas and now detroit so this is six sixth team and he's only signed uh, for the first time in his career with a team other than St. Louis. That's fucking mind-blowing. But, um, yeah, not only that, they also pick up Dominic Kubalik, who, uh, you know, just a couple of years ago was, uh, you know, I think he's got – I know he scored 30 goals at least once with Chicago. He can get back to that kind of uh, – or if he can get back to that kind of goal scoring, that's going to be huge for Detroit. I mean – uh, they pick up some guys on the back end too, Ben Sherratt, Ali Mata. So I, I really like that Sherratt pickup. Mata, I guess he's found his game more since he's been with LA. So, um, you know, Iserman must love what he sees there uh, in order to bring him in and, and ha- help with that decor. And then not only that, I mean, you had a guy like Jakob Verana who's injured basically all year last year, who's you're going to insert him into the lineup full-time now, too. De- Detroit's getting scary, man. They're going to be a really, really good team this year. And they had a great start to last year before they just slowly toppled off, right? Yeah, they were, like, with Boston for, like, the first three months of the year. Like, I mean, the rookies obviously were carrying them, but Larkin had a bounce-back year. Like, like Detroit Detroit is is one of those dark horse teams this year. Yeah, I agree with that. I seen uh, even Steve Eiserman had a quote. They asked him about his team's upcoming season, and he said, I'm cautiously or er, nervously optimistic. Yeah, which is uh which makes complete sense because how can you not be optimistic after adding those great great pieces in the off season and you're building upon what you already have. Um, but you're, you're going to be in a shit show in the Atlantic division, right? A lot of teams improving couple of those top teams, maybe not improving so much. I don't know. It's going to be a weird one to watch. That's going to be a tough, tough division right there with the Metro now with how crazy it's going to be in my opinion, but, uh, some losers of the, uh, the off season so far, Durham, who do you got? losers the first loser we're going with the minnesota wild who haven't done a fucking thing except get rid of fiala and talbot and that's not an exaggeration they have not signed an nhl player to a one-way contract yet 
Yeah, that's hurting. That's hurt show right there. I mean, I guess they get Gustafson back in the Talbot trade, but other than that, like they're they haven't brought in anyone, and they are you know we we seen this coming because they had to shed their salary like they were they were getting fucked out with those buyouts so i mean it is what it is but they you you'd think you'd add somewhere right like cap friendly shows them at 11 forwards signed 7d and two goalies and four and a half mil in cap space so you can do something although that doesn't have rossi on the roster and i think he could make that team I believe so too. They have some young guys who could step right in there. Was Beckman one of those guys maybe who could step in there and possibly play? They're going to be pretty young up front. So yeah. uh, maybe they add a veteran guy uh, in that bottom six to help out as well, or maybe another veteran guy on the, on the back end. So it'll be interesting. They do have some room to work with, but uh, the longer, the longer they wait, the less guys that are going to be available to uh, get a deal done with. So for a team who should be competing uh, for a playoff spot, you'd think they would have done something, but uh, yeah, it's been quiet around uh, the state of hockey moving on. Who else do you got? I don't know if this was the Pittsburgh fan in me, but I got Philadelphia because they made the internal decision to not even try and shed money to get local boy Johnny Goudreau because it would be too difficult and expensive. So instead, they spent $5 million to bring local boy Tony D'Angelo home. What? <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, what was it, a two-year deal for, for Tony? Yep. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, that's crazy. You got Johnny Goudreau, who's turning down how much money in Calgary they're willing to sign with you. And you're just like, yeah, I don't think it's the right move to make. You fucking trade some guys around to make that happen. The guy put up like 90 some even strength points, which is like the most since Yager, like 30 fucking years ago or something. How do you not make that happen? Make some moves, like give your balls a tuck. Don't tell me it's too hard to shed money. Vegas just got rid of like, two big pieces of their team and it was like 14 million dollars and it was nothing to them they were just like yeah just fucking take them we don't want yeah, the money it's literally yours. take them for free like literally here you go put on the other jersey fuck off you know that's basically what they did philly was like nope well we acquired ryan ellis last year now we need tony d'angelo because we don't know the health of ryan ellis so um which I did hear on, uh, what is it, the 32 Thoughts podcast. Uh, you were mentioning uh, the Provorov thing, how, um, you know, now under Tortorella, they want to see if that changes Provorov's game or whatnot. Uh, we'll see how that works out. That's a gamble there that they seem to be willing to take, but I can't believe they weren't willing to take one on Goudreau. Going to the Provorov thing there, I don't know. I don't know if I'd put money on that working out. I mean, I rumors wouldn't. have come in that Provorov is not a fan of the criticism he gets from the fucking fans and management and coaching staff he had before. You think he's going to be fine with Tortorella fucking down his throat? That's going to be interesting, man. Tortorella is going to turn that club into the old school Philly mentality, I think. I think Konechny's just going to become one of the biggest pests under Tortorella now. And <laughs> we'll see, man. They're, I, I, they're not a playoff team, though. Not in that division. I don't think so. No, I thought Goudreau could have helped them. You know, I think Tortorella will help them defensively before they got D'Angelo. Like, that's a guy who's going to make your biggest problem worse, I think. 
Carter Hart yeah. needed help in his own end, and your top four right hand, like your top two in the top four, right-handed D are Reese Linen and D'Angelo. One of them fell over and ran into the boards with no one within 40 feet of him, and the other guy basically <laughs> plays with a ringette stick in his own end. That should help, right? Yeah, here you go, Kata. Kata hot. All right, we got one more loser on the books here, Durham. Who is it? Well, we just mentioned them a couple times, the Vegas Golden Knights. These guys, since they've came into existence, have just thrown money at the walls to see what stuck. And when that didn't work, they had to give up their Vezina winning goalie and leading goal scorer for free in back-to-back years. Yikes. <laughs> That's a shit show and a half right there. Holy crap. That's awesome being a, you know, a Kraken fan here, just looking over at the last ex- expansion team and thinking like, what the hell are you guys doing? Um, <laughs> didn't really work out great for them, did it? Yeah, they're like, but we won the Western Conference Championship. But care. we won. You didn't win <laughs> shit after that, did you? Yeah, no, Seattle's doing it right. They're building through the draft, which is fucking exactly what you need and they're not committing to the no no crazy contracts or anything yet i mean uh yeah no one's received a has anyone received a six-year deal was it yeah was it to, Gru- grubauer, get grubauer it? and alexiak i want to say oh, alexiak, yeah, alexiak got a six i think so yeah yeah Larson other than that no seven four, years no eights like they, they're playing it smart man they're they're uh, building through the draft and and finding out what you know what they have through those players, and then you know eventually they're going to have to commit long term to those guys, but they'll have the money freed up to do so, and then they'll be able to you know look at free agencies and acquire guys and and whatnot. But Vegas, yeah, astounding first season. Yeah, we all get it. Sweet, you went to the finals. You went on an incredible run. You made history. Now you're making fools of yourself. <laughs> now you're just, I don't know. Now you should fold your team almost. And we all love watching it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind watching them <laughs> drown in their sorrows. Um, I mean, place is still electric for hockey. Not going to lie, but um, yeah. Vegas, oh, tough. Tough look making those moves now, man. Just giving people up for free. That's right. That's big yikes. Love it. Love it. Um, yeah, before we wrap this thing up, Durham, one quick little shout out to uh I know we, we were kind of tweeting about it on uh Twitter there, but um uh <clears throat> there was a big big uh, acquisition for the Co- Coachella Valley uh Firebirds, and that is uh the hiring of a uh, new assistant coach Jessica Campbell, who becomes the first female assistant coach in the AHL. Um just Pretty, pretty astounding things going on there. Uh, what do you think about that one? Oh, it's great. I mean, she's got a lot of experience in both the pro ranks and women's hockey and internationally with Canada, right? So I think she's going to bring a lot to this group in terms of development. I think she was a player development coach as well before this. Very correct. Yeah, player development coach before that. She's actually worked the past season with the USHL's Tri-City Storm in development. And uh yeah, and she was heading the Windy City Storm girls hockey program in Chicago as well. Um, she got an invite to be a skills coach for the Nuremberg Ice Tigers in the German Elite League. And as, pretty much as soon as she arrived, her role was 
expanded pretty immediately into an assistant coach role, uh, which, you know, put her on the bench for some games. And that, uh, you know, she also got the opportunity being over there in Germany to to coach uh, at the world championships for that German team. So she already brings a, quite the pedigree of coaching. And like you said, she already has a, a, a long history of playing the pro game uh, or the game of hockey at the pro ranks, you know, for the woman's side. And of course, representing Canada, I believe she's a Saskatchewan native too. So um still quite young too. I think she's just in her late twenties and, or, or, you know, just, just about 30 years old now. So, um, that is an awesome acquisition. And it sounded like, um, Dan Bilesma was pretty excited to have her, you know, joining his bench down in Coachella and, you know, what a gig for her. She gets to go down there and, and coach hockey and fucking just live it up in the sun. Must be nice. <laughs> must be nice eh? yeah fucking sun what is that uh just kidding actually we've had a pretty beautiful week of weather out here so uh i'm pretty shocked i actually got a tan shocker eh about it's time been raining for 24 hours here <laughs> <laughs> 24 hours tried 24 days bro <laughs> that sucked but man i'm excited you know today's moving day for me heading out to uh banff alberta gonna be working at the fairmont golf course so hopefully work on that swing and uh yeah see if i can make some improvements but you know it's been a it's been a long six years where i am right now so um this will be my last podcast here durham and uh you know right after this i get to pack it up and and head on out for a nice little road trip through the mountains if you don't nail down at least two interviews the rest of the summer with kraken players then is it really worth it working at the fairmont you know you know what we'll see what happens i mean i think uh what a week and a half ago almost two weeks ago uh Braden shen had his wedding there there was a lot of nhl players there um guy named crosby have you heard of him someone might have heard of him i might be looking at a signed jersey right now <laughs> wait you know him no i may have met him no that's pretty sick man i mean there was a bunch of players of course like players he's played with i don't think he ever played with um with cross but there was like david perron i mean it, the list was wild i mean there was some younger studs like jordan cairo was there and or not cairo there, there robert thomas was there there you know the list goes on and on but yeah they're playing at the course so it'll be pretty cool to to be able to work there and uh you know maybe see some other NHLers uh, throughout the summer. So time will tell, man. And, and if I, uh, if I could run into a Kraken player, uh, that would be pretty sweet. You know what else was pretty cool, actually? What? So we just had uh, like our ACCA, like uh, one of the camps here at the, at the, the place I work at. Um, so like kids camp for anyone who's wondering. And, um, you know, one of the participants, I think she was like, 13 uh she was going up on what we call like a giant swing so like a you know climb up a ladder with her hooker in get the whole team to just like pull her up and then she you know goes for an awesome like huge swing right it's pretty yep. fun and uh i was like hooking her up i was talking to her and she's like oh yeah like i play hockey and stuff she's like oh that's pretty cool yeah you know i was like oh yeah i used to play i do a podcast and stuff she's like oh that's cool she's like oh yeah i have a cousin who's uh who's in the nhl plays for seattle Come on. I was like, oh, no way. I was like, I do a Seattle podcast. I was like, who's the player? She's like, oh, Carson Soucy. 
And I was like, no way. I was like, that's pretty incredible. I was like, yeah, yeah. It was just pretty cool to, uh, to, uh, you know, have that little conversation and, uh, yeah, we, we we're just naming off stats about Susie. She was like, oh yeah, let, let defenseman a goals for Seattle. And I was like, yeah, look, only Seattle defenseman, you know, get a multi-goal game, blah, blah. And it, it was, it was a cool moment though. You know, she went home and told him about you, but she doesn't know your name. Yeah. She's like some dude who like talks about you on the internet. Like, I talked to some talk- guy. He has a podcast. <laughs> It was pretty cool. We hung out. We went. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It was, it was just pretty sweet. So I thought that was worth the mention. That is fucking neat. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's time for me to, uh, you know, pack up the laptop and uh, hit the road, Durham. Cause uh, yeah, I, I kind of got to get on the move here, but uh, you know, thanks everyone for tuning in to episode number 37 Join us in two weeks as we jump right into our predictions for Seattle's opening lineup for their first game of the season, which takes place on October 12th in Anaheim against the Anaheim Ducks. And Durham, is it October yet? Because I am freaking excited, man. Wake me up when September ends. Yeah, play a little Green Day on the way. I love it. Good call on that one. And of course, we'll keep you up to date with all things Kraken, baby. So have a great couple of weeks, everyone. And peace out, Kraken Nation.